Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. It's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. Time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted. Welcome to another edition of Pound Time Podcast. I am Brother L. Diazobra, formerly named Lyman White. Thank you for joining us today. I'd like to first introduce to you one of our local community true legends in our community have done tremendous great things. I've been knowing her for quite some time. She don't quite remember me, but back in the day she used to call me Limus. And nowadays she don't quite remember, but <laughs> I don't know why. I didn't leave a lasting impression upon her. But this young lady is named Miss Edna Jordan Smith. One of the local and one of the few, I think she's created or started genealogy in this community at the Blue Bonnet Library years ago. Uh, when I was doing my little research, everybody sent me straight to Miss Edna Jordan-Smith to help me with my genealogy. And I thank you so much because because of you, I was able to find a lot of information about my history, my family, and my own culture and where we came from. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to welcome you here today with our Count Time podcast. Yes. Well, I'm so happy that you invited me. It gets me to thinking about so much you... You have to tell me to shut up sometimes <laughs> because I get into things and then I think of something else and it's like I never complete a story because so it's, it's never end. That's the way life they, is. They, they, and every story is connected to another story. Yes, yes, that's it. And that's why I wanted you here because I wanted you to continue talking <laughs> and give as much information as you can. We want to capture as much as we can and share with the people. You got your lovely daughter who brought you here today. This Donis, like the queen, the Donis. So we appreciate her being here. She don't remember me. I met her about 15, 16 years ago, but that's okay. After this year, we hope that we continue to know each other and live and (laughs) communicate with each other. But Miss Edna Jordan-Smith, we want you to first tell us about your journey. Well, I guess really it started in 1934. That's the year I was born. 1934. 34. I had a couple years after the Great Depression. They were were in it, and people had relatives on both sides who were from the Felicianas in in West Feliciana. They were from there, like most Baton Rougeans, Black Baton Rougeans. They came in one way or another. And you see, once I get started on that. <laughs> That's okay. And how they got in and that kind of thing. And I think somebody here is doing a story on Black Baton Rouge. And so, your, so your family, but at one time, not just New Orleans, but the Feliciana was the gateway into Louisiana, basically. Well. Through slavery. Yeah, slavery. Well, through slavery. And, uh, of course, it developed when you get into places like New Orleans and the um, the river parishes like St. James, St. Charles, St. James, St. John, and Ascension, all of that was brought in following the, the Haitian Revolution. Haitian Revolution. Haitian Revolution. Toussaint Overture. Toussaint Overture. And, of course, he did like so many of us do today when the French wanted to talk to him. They weren't getting anywhere in the battles. So they wanted to talk to him. He made the mistake to talk. Made the mistake. And that's where they had him. They took him to France, put him in prison, and that's where he froze to death. He froze to death. I never heard that story. Really? Never first time here. Therefore. Toussaint Overture, the great warrior leader of Haiti. Of Haiti. Was froze to death. The French tricked him. That's right. But wasn't Britain working with uh, with Haiti at the time? How did, how was who? Britain. But didn't they come together to, to fight against France, Britain, and... Well, they were getting help. But I'm trying to think of the guy who really changed that course. And the, in Haiti, the airport and all that is named after that man. So many black people, those especially with white fathers and all, they did not want that war to go on. They fought against Tucson, Lomachon. But of course, when this guy came in, he changed the course of things. Napoleon. Napoleon Bonaparte? 
Yeah, that was him. He was in Haiti. That was his walk. After all that happened to him in the latter 18, I mean 1790s, it was over. Dessalines, that's my man. Dessalines. <laughs> they needed to have named something for Dessalines because he, he won things for them. And he wasn't really from Haiti. He was from one of those islands around Jamaica that he got in there with those who were trying to free themselves. But of course, you had many blacks who were trying to hold on because they owned slaves as well in Haiti. In Haiti. That's right. Many of them came on in. The city of New Orleans population doubled. Because of the Haitians? Because of the Haitians. So you said New Orleans at, at that time, at this point in time to this day, population came, the greatest population came out of Haiti. Out of Haiti. And that's what you got there today. How many, how many black people you see with those last names? Toussaint. Oh. Don't you know what Mr. Toussaint? Yeah, the street name after. All right, <laughs> yeah, all musician. right. Yeah. Toussaint. And that's Haiti. Well, they, they got, got out of Haiti. But there are a lot of people who these people brought with them running away from the, that war that was going on. They brought their slaves with them. They brought them with them. They won't leave them behind. Well, no, it, it, was, it was slavery everywhere. They were in good stead. It was Haiti. It was slavery in New Orleans at that time. So um, they were there in time for that uh, Battle of New Orleans. They were, I mean, that really what helped them to whip Andrew Jackson, who had come in, the Battle of New Orleans. It came in and it helped him to complete the Battle of New Orleans. With the Haitians helped? Oh, yeah. Andrew Jackson? No, well, yes. They, they, they were trying to see Andrew Jackson, and then they were trying to, to keep French. French. I mean, that was England. You remember that was, that's why they have an area in New Orleans, right outside of New Orleans. There's a huge, beautiful place where they golf course and all of that, and it's called English Turn. English Turn, yes. Okay, that's England in there trying to take that over. They had already bombed the, the state capitol in, in, in D.C. They bombed the, the White House. Yeah, they had bombed that White House. And then they came on through. They came on to New Orleans. They had fought all along the way. That's why New Orleans, do you ever go over there in, in January? On the 8th of January every year, yeah. they have that thing dealing with the Battle of New Orleans. Wonderful. These Haitians were in there. I, I noticed now her husband's Haitian, and her last name is Michelle. There are quite a few Michelles. And even along that line that came in, there were some Michelles. And um, so, New Orleans is just loaded with, you know, all kind of people. So, so Andrew Jackson got help from the Haitians, from the people of, of, I don't know, uh, I don't like saying the people of color, I don't like saying black, yeah, I don't like saying... They were all mixed they, in. They, you know, but, it, you know, and we're all not from Africa, you know, we, we found, we, we realized well, yeah, that. Yeah, but now. you got us all over the world. We, we all know, yeah, we all over the world, but... But he got help from the, the Haitians oh, yeah. during, during, the, during that war. Yeah, I have those. I was looking at that the other night. I have, I have so much stuff in my house. <laughs> you, they would have to look for you. You are 86 years old, and your mind just as sharp as ever. Well, it's just, things I, I think of things and get them together. And you realize, well, that's what caused this. It's, it's all connected. It's, it's all, all connected. connected. And um, so you, you have so many New Orleans, New Orleans who, families from Haiti, most of those last names like that, that's where they came from, Haiti. Yeah, I, you know, I met quite a few people there. All right, now right after they got there, 
You know, the folk in St. Charles Parish, those Haitians who were brought in as slaves, those people brought their slaves with them. Many of them didn't want to lose, so they brought slaves with them. That's, that's full of New Orleans, full of St. John Parish. We find all of that, um, of those people. And their descendants are still there, but their background would go back into Haiti. And um, of course, they're doing a lot of stuff now. And I've had, you didn't come to any of my stuff at Blue Bonnet. I had a huge thing on Haitians. Let's go back, let's, let's regress a little bit. Okay. Now, what about Blue Bonnet? How'd you end up at Blue Bonnet? <laughs> and what we were talking about Blue Bonnet Library. Okay, let's give after, the history. after I was in the, I didn't stay in the public school system very long. You was a school teacher. Yes, I, a school I teacher. taught Louisiana history. Where? Cheneyville. Cheneyville. That's okay. up there, Zachary. That's where you. That's your home. No, 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 no. Oh, that's not. <laughs> no, I didn't even know Cheneyville was back there at the time. I, Mr. Lockhart and all of them, a lot of those people, just like in Slaughter and all of those little uh, West East, Fel East Feliciana. Mm -hmm. Once you cross Thompson Creek, you're in East Feliciana. And you, uh, that's where my big Canadian research led me to Canada and found that black community in Canada that was started by them 15 slaves out of Jackson, Louisiana. So, hold on, hold on. So, let's go back to this here first. So you was teaching in Cheneyville. I taught up there, yeah. In Cheneyville, from Cheneyville, where did you go? Since my minor was library science, Mr. Lee worked at the, at the um, you know, school board. He called and asked me would I go to Capitol Middle because at that time, you know, on Capitol Avenue. Yeah, right down the street from yeah. where you're at now. Yeah. yeah, right now we're Eden Park Library. All right. So Mrs. Winder was a librarian there. You know, uh, Golden Boy Winder? Did you ever hear of him? You know, <laughs> he had a radio show and he played all kind of uh, um, church music. Golden Boy Winder. Everybody knew her, Mr. Winder. <laughs> and um, he, I mean, Capitol Middle got over 800, 800 students. And at that time, they said if a school gets over 800 students, they had to have two librarians. So they sent me to Capitol Middle. Ms. Winder. She really trained me because I had never been a librarian. That was just my mind. But Ms. Winder, she trained me. Her people were from St. Mary Parish. That's where I'm from, St. Mary and, Parish. And um, I think her nickname. Her maiden name. It is, I'm pretty sure it's still in St. Mary. But um, so so she trained you to be a librarian. So you start, you was at Capitol Middle first as a librarian. Yeah, you left Chaneville to go to Capitol Middle. Yes, which is right down the street from where we are now, right off of Gus Young. That's it. And I was there, and as one, Mr. Rucker was a, was the um, principal at that time, and Ms. Winder had to leave and go to North Louisiana. She had a sister's husband who was very ill, and her sister was up in North Louisiana, near Monroe, up there. So I got a letter from her, and she said, and she sent a letter to Mr., you know, the principal. Rucker. Rucker. And wanted me to, for him not to hire anybody in that library with me. She did not want nobody because she had all that stuff there. Ms. Wanda was great. She was in Texas, getting her masters and all that kind of stuff at the University of Texas. When they had that man that got up in that tower at that university and was killing people as they walked along. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I remember that. You remember, I remember that? that? Yes, ma'am. Well, Ms. Wanda was there. 
in school. And she said she doesn't know why, because she'd never been a person that was always sleepy. But she got so sleepy at the time she was supposed to go to class. She went off to sleep. Golden Boy, her husband, had been calling because he could hear it on the news and he knew his wife was there. But she said God put her to sleep because she'd have been in that path headed to that class where he killed people as they were walking along. But Miss Winder was great. You remember Miss Winder's first name? Yes. Just, just a minute. And she had um, sisters. Miss Smith was her sister. Her brother was a principal at Scotlandville High. She just, um, there were several of them. But I'm going to find her. Oh, you're going to come as you're talking. Now, it, yeah. I'm, now, but, now, so you, how long you stayed at Capitol Middle? Went to integration gang, and they switched teachers all over. Ms. Wanda was so disappointed. She told Mr. Rucker, please try to hold on. They weren't stood about that. They were interested. The school board was interested in getting me. They wanted me in a white school. So they wanted you at a predominant with white school. And I was so disappointed. Why were you disappointed? I liked where I was. I liked working with black people, and I had students, and I had all these people, and I had the, the, the file of stuff that I had compiled from uh, writers. One was from Louisiana. Um, he, he had written one, but he sent me a lot of stuff. So that's where you started your genealogy, basically like Capital Middle? Well, you, you no. You compiling this? They took me away from uh, Capitol Middle and sent me to Westdale Middle. That was a white school at that time. No black children in there. You know what Westdale Middle is? Yes, was. I do. They sent me a there. A friend of mine, Sherry Brock, that's the principal. She was a, she's a good person. She was, she's done a great job. Oh, this was a Cajun man who was principal. But uh, both of them had assistant principal. But uh, Mr. McKay, he wasn't, he wasn't Cajun, but his assistant was Cajun. But I, I did a good job there. I did a pretty Well, I, <laughs> when I got ready to leave Westdale, that was a problem because I had white parents who did not want me to leave Westdale. So everywhere you go, they want to keep yes. you there. <laughs> <laughs> These were parents. It, why could not stay there? How, how long were you at Westdale? Uh, I was there. How long was I? Okay, until 67. No, no, I went to Westdale in 67. Yeah, I went to Westdale and I stayed there yeah, right after, because we watched the Martin Luther King's funeral, I was still at Capitol Middle. And, that was 58. Um, hmm. That was 68. 68. And after that is when they just, they wouldn't listen to Mr. Rucker. He was trying to hold on to me. But, uh, well, I went on over what I had to to Westdale. Now, now you, after Westdale, where you, when they, they didn't want you to leave, but where you end up going from Westdale? <laughs> they sent me to Jones Creek Library. I didn't even know how to get to Jones Creek. That's a lo that was a long way. That's a, yes, that was a way yes, out there. So they wanted me to go over there, and that's where I got there. Because I just like to do things that are related, but not touched upon. And I brought, see, I have several old friends, old musicians in New Orleans that my family and all of them knew. Because my daddy's sisters live in New Orleans, down on the South Street and all that. So it wasn't hard for me to get musicians. And boy, at Jones Creek, <laughs> I had, I have pictures. Yeah, still have some of those pictures. I had a jazz band at Jones Creek. In, in the 60s, early 70s? Yeah, that was in, in the, the, the 70s. I was looking at that because it's 
the State Library covered it. I still have that little booklet talking about the, the musicians, Danny Barker and all of that. They came up and I that school out at Woodlawn and Baton Rouge They all got involved in that. Had those girls and boys doing, they went back to the 20s. That's what I was trying to do is go back to the 20s. And they covered it beautifully. And those musicians, nobody charged me. They knew me. And they came. And boy, that was something else. So that was basically the other folks had a chance to enjoy some of our culture. Not oh, that. Lord, yes, indeed. Danny Barker got out there with, <laughs> with his guitar and all of that kind of stuff. Well, you see, he had played with Duke Ellington and all those folk in New York, and then he came back home to New Orleans. He knew exactly what to do. So how long you was at the Jones Creek Library before you moved there? I down? was there until about seven. You know, I don't know what year I left there. That's they okay. warned me I was at Jones Creek, and I did not want to leave there because I had done a lot of stuff there. I told Andy, a white woman who headed our department, then I don't want to go, and she said, and I don't want you to go. <laughs> Finally, when I saw Mr. Baker, he headed the employee thing, dealing with the school board. When I saw Mr. Baker walk in, my heart fell. I, I just felt that he was going to send me to this new library they had built. I had never been on Blue Bonnet. Maybe we all over the city. Yeah. And Mr. Andy said, oh, Edna, Mr. Baker wants to see you. Mr. Baker was over the school board. Uh, with, I mean, not the school board. I was now with the library system. I went in there and Mr. Baker asked me if I wanted to consider going to our brand new library in Blue Bonnet. Oh my goodness. Well, what made it bad, a few days before he came, everybody was laughing about it. Gulf states had these people out putting up the lines, electrical. And where Blue Bonnet is, you see that's a, a big swamp area. People were laughing about this Gulf states man was out there trying to wire up Blue Bonnet, and one of those big moccasins chased him, <laughs> just actually chased him. A water moccasin, And I, I guess it was a moccasin. That's what somebody said. They probably didn't know it could have been a rattler. But um, he actually chased the man, and he got up on a thing where, you know, uh, on the side of Blue Bonnet Highway, you know, the avenue going past. And he was trying to wave people in the car to come because <laughs> the snake just got right there at the end waiting for him to jump down. <laughs> oh, Lord. So y'all were just joking about that. Yeah, and Lord, when, they, when Mr. Baker would want me to go to that place. You ain't running from those snakes. Huh? <laughs> that was, uh, oh, Lord have mercy. So, that, so that, you had that image of this man, yes, a grown man that, running from snakes, so you could see stayed, you. That stayed with me <laughs> because on Mondays I wouldn't go until evening and work until library closed on Monday nights. And that's when I started having that genealogy Monday nights. That, that, that was at night, or you moved over to the genealogy? At, and that's blue, at the really blue body. Blue body. Okay. I went over there. I started that, and I had so many people who would come in there, they had to just bring more chairs, because they had so many people. What, what, what made you start the genealogy? Well, that's the, that was the department they wanted me in. I had always been interested in Kennery and that kind of thing, and grandparents and who they were. My folk were all mixed in, in color. My daughter looks like my mother. And we had my great-grandmother, whom I knew. She had done a slave in... in, in um, you, you knew your great-grandmother, who was a slave? Oh, yeah. She was in the house 
we were young. I was very young because my grandmother had us. We were on Starring Lane. That's where my grandmother was. And across the street were the Reds, R-E-D. Those are other kinfolk of mine, those Reds. Now, this in St. Francisville? Uh, no, no. You see, in my family, we have Burris, we have Reds, we have Jackson, we have Jordans. Those Reds, Grandma Millie was married to a Burris. They had, she had a bunch of children. They settled on Highland Road. They had four houses facing Terry Street. All those verses were in there. Then Joe Burris, you may have known him. Joe been going about four or five years. But uh, that was a, they were off the Carolinas, Carolina Street. After the war, Civil War, so many of them got out of uh, St. Francisville, but it was hard to do because you might as well have still been enslaved because they had so many things going on that they were saying that you owed them this or you didn't do that or you owed them money. Well, they keep, they keep to you keep, enslaved. To keep you yeah. enslaved. Mm -hmm. And a lot yeah, that, of them, That's that sharecropping thing. Oh, Lord. A lot of them couldn't get out. But what really came along, my dad was born in 1888 in St. Francisville in the spot where Angola is today, the penitentiary. Your daddy grew up on, the, it was a plantation back then. Seven plantations on that spot where Angola is today. There were seven plantations. Seven. Kilani is where his people were, K-I-L-A-R-N-E-Y, Kilani. Then they had names for the other. And this guy, Franklin, owned that property. When they sold that to Angola, well, then they helped they had to help people to find somewhere else to go. Most of them wound up on um, Tyree 10. Like if you're going through St. Francisville, take a right away from the little city they got there. All that's Highway 10. And you have all kind of uh, and communities growing up. There's a black church sitting right in that little curve. And it's called McEwen. McEwen Baptist Church. Yes, they have one in Baton Rouge. Right. My daddy was buried from McEwen. So your daddy, when Angola sets that to this day, mm -hmm. was a plantation. Seven, about seven, seven plantations. plantations yeah. And your daddy was, grew up on one of those plantations. One of those plantations. But, but how old was he when he had to move? Well, my daddy moved to Julia Street. He owned property on Christian Street. You know where Christian Street yes. is? Let me tell you about Christian Street. Christian Street must have been the hot spot for many black Baton Rouges at that time. There must have been a lot of light-skinned people. I see all the light-skinned people lived on Christian Street when I first oh, got no. here. Oh, no. Grandma Millie lived there, and she was your complexion. <laughs> okay, then. Grandma Millie was right there. She lost, I think she lost part of that property. But Christian Street... <laughs> So much went on. I had relatives. Those Sivarans are related to me. You know those Sivarans? Well, they lived on Ellsworth. They, they, all them little streets off of Perkins Road on Christian. Dr. Butler and his uh, children. You Leo know? Butler? Leo Butler. Gene Butler? That's right. Well, Gene was his, his daughter. Christian Street. A lot of black people lived on it. And Christmas Street is right next to the, in, in Bad Rouge, Louisiana, um, off right off Perkins in the front of Perkins Overpass. That's right. That, okay. that's they, got that, they got that store called Better BR. Better, better. Better R. Better R. We got to charge it for when that. When I was a child, Better R used to be on East Boulevard. It's moved a long ways then. Yes, it's been off. And across the street, yeah, Bedard used to be on East Boulevard, and Dr. Butler's home was built on Terrace Street, and that house is still there. Yeah, because Gene and her children, a couple of children, live there now. Well, I understand Gene, Gene lives in the French Quarter. Hmm? I understand Gene lives in the, the French Quarter. In the French Quarter now? Okay, mm -hmm. then I remember she they was over there at that house. Now, let's go back to the part about 
Okay, your dad, your dad grew up on the plantation in Angola, but y'all ended up moving to Baton Rouge. Um, or my you dad. Grew up, or you grew up in Baton Rouge. Uh, my dad. No, he didn't grow up there. My dad uh, was much older than my mother. And what's your dad's name? Ed Jordan. Oh, you got the you got the whole birth death certificate. Mm-hmm. But I was just. Yeah. yeah, he died rather young. Yeah, he died in 1942. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he wasn't but, what, 50, he's in his 50s. Oh, he, he fought in, in World War. World War One. Yo, okay then. Mm-hmm. But I knew him. And you was born in 1934, so you was oh. six years old. So yeah, I, well, eight, I was made, eight years old. I, uh, I was seven, seven or when eight. he died, yeah. Okay. You remember where he was stationed at during World War World War One? France. We were in France and, and Mississippi first. France from there. Now, what, where you, where your mother was from? My bro, my mother was born right on the Perkins Road. You know where College Drive is? Yes, ma'am. On that corner, and Perkins Road. Yeah, when I first came to Baton Rouge, it was the mid seventies. Perkins uh, College Drive was like out of town. Oh, Lord, yeah. yeah, yeah. When you that got was, to college drive, that was, that that was, was out of town. Yeah, that Valley was. Valley Park is in, in that area. A lot of people in there from St. Francisville and everywhere. But most of the blacks in Baton Rouge were out of St. Francisville. Most of them. Out yeah. of St. Francisville and Jackson, and which is East Feliciana, and those areas. That's what brought, what really brought Many, my daddy had worked at the Standard Oil 35 years when he died in 42. That's right. He, he had been working at Standard Oil back 35 then. 35 years. Because Standard Oil came in here in April of 1909. Okay. Mm-hmm. Remember all that April later. of 1909 when Standard Oil came. Well, that opened up, whew, the Feliciana people poured in here. And the Mississippi people. Everybody came in for work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they, they poured in. All, all people came to work. <laughs> so they, it created a lot of jobs, a lot of opportunities. Well, yeah, they had slaves here, but it wasn't like New Orleans or something like that because they had very few people, blacks, who were here. Some had that uh, Cajun, I mean that French last name, but you in between, you're gonna have some light skinned LeBlancs. Well, most of them were over there on Terrace Street because you see them nice brick, red brick homes all around Terrace Street. Well, those were those people who came out of Point Capee and that kind of thing, and most of them were carpenters and bricklayers. They were trained in Point Capee. So when they came over here, you'd find some on the Car- on Carolina Street. So most of the people of African descent was, was, the, was the true, what they call them again, the skill workers. They had the, the trade. They were the bricklayers and the carpenters. Those out of Point Capee. They, they certainly were. They might not could read and write, but they knew how to build. Those big apartments near the foot of the overpass, when you're coming up on the overpass, that whole area was white area. Which, which overpass we talking about? The one we talk about on Perkins Road that oh, okay. lets you down right. on okay. Christian Street. Right. Mr. Patan built white folks' homes, beautiful houses over in there. Mr. Patan built those white apartments. That's where he died. He was right there near Perkins Road, and he went to eat in his truck and he died there. But Mr. Patan never learned to read and write, but he knew how to build. There's a beautiful house that Mr. Patan built for his daughter, one of his daughters, on the corner of Glenmore, I've been in the Valley Park area, corner of Glenmore and Wells Street. My mother's house is on Wells. Mr. Patan built that beautiful brick home. I don't know why of what happened to those Patan family. It's just that house is gone. Just a beautiful home, just left Just sitting there, just sitting there. Mr. Patan is gone. One of his daughters 
died there on Wells. On, she was about three houses from her daddy's house. She's dead. I knew when I came to Pat Rouge, the Patans, the honorees, and a few other families that did all of the, the, well, most the, of the construction people work. Oh, yeah. The, the buildings. Many of You see, when we went to, I finished from Southern University Lab School. When you got in college, <laughs> it was funny. Most of those children, they would be looking around. If it was a math class, you're going to find your seat where you could sit near one of those light-skinned, <laughs> pointy people. <laughs> they were going to get you out. They, might. <laughs> they, they were better math students. There you go. They knew exactly. <laughs> but they were just better. As I said, that many of their parents. Taught them. And then they would come and sell sweet potatoes and things like that. If you got to an opulence of sweet potato, you got something. They never weighed anything. They weighed by two pounds. <laughs> gonna weigh it, and and he was gonna be right. <laughs> two pounds. Yeah, whatever. He knew it by that weight. He put he put it in his hand. He weighed by his hand. Baby, you I mean, you, you take it home and weigh it. He was right. <laughs> That's right. Now I'm asking this question here. We're gonna, we want to talk about two other two things. You you remember a place called Free Negro Park? Uh, I have heard that, but I don't know. You're talking about here in Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure exactly where that was. I've heard about it because they had more than one. Right. You, when you get down there in um, St. James, St. Charles, all in there, you see, that brought people in from Haiti. They started in Orleans, and then right outside of Orleans, a lot of them were there. And that's why you have like the big plantation that makes a lot of money down there now. Mr. Mr. Uh, Cummins. Cummins. Yes. Okay, he has that. I, I don't want to call the name of the plantation. Uh, yeah. Um, don't worry about it. We're going to move Yeah, on. I've been there. But that makes this question. Now, there had been some information came out just recently about LSU being built on several plantations. The well, University yes. of Louisiana State University. What do you know about that? Well, yes, they were. Arlington, that little, little neighborhood that's right there at LSU, all of that is part of Arlington. And there are a lot of black people live and still that's where my aunt well my grandmother's second husband is his daughter. And that she was still, to me, she was ain't fanny. Because mm -hmm. my mother's dad died in his 20s. And I told you they were living on the corner of what is today Lee Drive and Perkins Road. They, that lot was a huge lot. But at that time, of course, you wouldn't, wouldn't have found big, nice homes when my mother came along in 1909. So, so Lee Drive, what was the original, you remember the name of it before then? Did it have a name? Well, it was just a road. You were on the Perkins Road. And but now it's named after the, so the, the, the General, General Robert E. Lee. Yeah. That's who it was named after now. Yeah. But it was just a, a road that was traveled. But, but most of who lived there at that time? White folks. Oh, they right. had all of that. And they had many black folks living like they were still on a plantation. You see, because once you get across that main bridge here in Baton Rouge and going to West Baton Rouge, Wilkerson's plantation, or you must have been looking at a thousand plant just what, what slaves lived in. And it hasn't been that long that they moved all of those plantation slave houses. That was Wilkerson. And that bridge that you cross in Baton Rouge. The Mississippi River Bridge? Yeah. We talk about, oh, the new bridge. That's what everybody said. That's the new bridge. New, that bridge is named Wilkerson. The name bridge is Wilkerson? That's After it. the plantation? That's right. The Mississippi River Bridge name is Wilkerson Bridge. Check it out. That's right. But nobody ever talks about it. He said the new bridge. But it's named after the plantation that it was sent on. Wilkerson. So all that was a big plantation from, from there oh, all the way oh, to LSU. Yes. Well, now, LSU, you see, 
Wilkerson was what you cross, you in West Banner. LSU is in East Banner. Right. So you you uh, dealing there. So Wilkerson was on the other side of the bridge on yeah, West so, Baton Rouge. As soon as you got in West Baton Rouge Parish, you had Wilkerson. So there was a plantation in Wilkerson. Oh, oh that Wilkerson. was plantation. And that's the bridge. But they built the bridge and named it after the guy on the west side of the bridge of the plantation. That's right. So it was the Wilkerson family. Who, Wilkerson. Hmm. Okay, well, that's some new information I did not Wilkerson. know about that. You check it out. That's Wilkerson. So, on, on, so, but there was plantation on both sides of the bridge, on the water. Well, well, once you got on the other side, you see, you were in, almost in Scotlandville. Once you cross that old river bridge, okay. the one that Huey Long is named after, that old Mississippi River Bridge. Well, that's been there. It's a different type of bridge. I heard a man talk about it on the train in coming out of um, through Morgan City and all that coming through there, going into New Orleans. And he talked about it, but I had always heard about that old Mississippi River Bridge. And I had been on it. I went to Kansas City on that old bridge, crossing out of Baton Rouge. But it's like it had never been a bridge built like that, where the cars could go on the track in the middle. And yeah, had, track. You know, that was the first bridge built like that. The old Mississippi River Bridge. The old Mississippi River Bridge. Yeah, this, it has a tr- railroad track running through the middle. It running right through the middle. It's, it's, it's pretty high, too. Oh, Lord, yeah. And I often think about this young white guy who was working to build that bridge. He was about 20. And he fell inside of that Thing that carries the bridge over. They never were able to get him out of that. Mm. My mother just worried her because she was, I don't want you to turn my faucets on. My, <laughs> I think I saw a part of his shape. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it was built, but it was the only bridge like that. Now coming out, have you ever been coming into New Orleans on that other New Orleans bridge? The bridge or the body carriage spillway? No. This one, if you're going to... That's the Huey Long, too. Yeah, it is. If you're going to places like uh, Arizona and that kind of thing, you would cross out of New Orleans, and it would take you on through Morgan City and all those areas. Have you ever seen it? Well, I guess you have, because you're down mm-hmm. in that area where the Chapel. They, they call it Highway 49 now. Okay. It, it was Highway, I can't think it was, it was 61. I can't remember what it was. No, 61 is, is Scenic Highway. Yeah, Scenic Highway. St. Yeah. Francisville. I can't remember. It's just so much. I'm, I'm actually about one of, the, one of your greatest achievements that uh, you have to be commended for is that you put some plaques and markers in New Orleans. Have you seen it? Oh, yes, of course. You've seen it? Yes. Oh, you weren't there because I had a lot of people there. No, I, I wasn't there for that event, but uh, but yes. And tell me about what brought about that, how you end up uh, putting up designated markers on behalf of who? What What you say? Those markers. What about, yeah, that's mine. When you t- oh, that's you. Okay. So, yes, I know about this. What? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I had just before that, I wanted to do something for Sue Eakin. That's the woman up there in Bunky. What was her name? Sue. Sue Eakin, E-A-K-I-N. Now, who is, who is she? Dr. Sue Eakin lived in Bunky. I used to go there all the time because she just, she's the person who really put Solomon Arthur's story on the, on the mark for people to really know about him. And because she was from that bunker area. What's the name of that other town? Marksville. Marksville. All in that suit. That's where she was from. And I decided that I would have 
uh, something for her. She died, and I didn't know Sue had died. She had been dead over a year. But I used to go to Bucky all the time to Sue's house, and oh, we just talked. And her sister, I think it was about eight or nine sisters of things of hers. And uh, I had her to come to D.C. with me because I used to go to the African-American conference in D.C. all the time. So I had Sue to go with me. Sue, I said, I'm, I got to do something for Sue after she had died. No. I put that thing together. I went to Loyola University. I didn't know, I had read about the guy who was from, his people were from Haiti, but he was the music man at Loyola University on St. Charles Avenue. I went over there, interested him. He had been teaching in Virginia, but then they wanted him at Loyola in the music department. And who was he? Uh, Montez was his last name. Montez, his mother and father were all from Haiti. I did meet his dad who had come to go to a doctor here and he died sort of recently. But he still lived in Haiti. Montez let me have an activity in, uh, at Loyola. I had 503 people in, at Loyola University. People brought busloads out of Bunky for that activity. Because you was honoring Sue? Yes, I was honoring Sue. And you was, why were you honoring her? To have, that was her thing, Solomon Arthur. And who was Solomon Arthur? Solomon Arthur was that man you, that was yeah. bought and stolen out of uh, New York and brought to D.C. and then shipped out in Norfolk, Virginia, to New Orleans. I was determined to find... So, Solomon North, it, it was a free man. He was a free man. Of color, what they called back yeah, then. Yeah, he got mixed in with some people. He could play the violin. He was a violin. These two white men heard him. Oh, they wanted him to come to D.C. and play. He left New York, wife, children in New York, and came on to D.C., while they were having a big parade in D.C., they gave him something to drink, and just when he found himself, he was in some <laughs> basement somewhere, and they sold it. And he came into New Orleans. And you see, I had a big thing dealing with that. Her son, her youngest son, I had taken him to New Orleans over years since they stayed here to deal, learn how to play the trumpet. Oh, boy, he was good. Solomon, the old man from, he wasn't from Bunker, he was from Marksville, bought Solomon Arthur and took him up there. And Sue Eakin loved to do research on him. And that's how I got tied in with her. She, she would give me things, send me things. So, Solomon North is what a movie. It's, yeah. 12, 12, 12 Years a Slave. 12 Years a Slave. Can't, I, that's how that came about. That's it. He was in Marksville. He was in Marksville. Yeah. And so, they, they brought him from New York to D.C., kidnapped him, and brought him to New Orleans that's and sold right. him. That's right. To that's somebody in, in Marksville. That's he, right. Who was the, what was, the, what was the guy in Marksville? Uh, the plantation. I would have I, So, but he was in Marksville. He was in Marksville. And he played the, uh, what you say? Violin. Violin. He was mm -hmm. a violinist. Mm -hmm. And he enslaved them for 12 years. That's how the movie, the movie 12, 12 yes. Years a Slave came about. Yes. But I was determined to find out who Northup's people were. <laughs> I found them. You found his people? They were here, baby. <laughs> look, look. I found... This was from Marksville, from Bunker. I found her and her sister. Now give me a name. What's her name? There's, there's Keep in mind the year I was born in 1934. I can't just her. Okay, that, that was just in 2014 you found that. Okay. Yeah, they, they did this. 
and this is one of Solomon's fourth generation, third generation grandchildren. This woman and this one, that's her daughter, their great-great-grandfather was the one that Solomon trusted. He was a carpenter, but he was from way up there near Canada, but he come on down here to be a carpenter. And the man, that man who was a carpenter, Solomon trusted to send mail for him to New York, what, to his family in New York, because they didn't know what had happened. Because he was able to read and write. Oh, yeah. Because he was, he, he was not a slave. He was enslaved by, That's by right. good people. That's right. That's right. He was a free man. He was a free man. I think I got it on that mark. And that man who did taking that, letting his people know where he was, these are his great-great-grandchildren. These two women here, these are two white women. He was a white man who did that for Solomon. And that's how he was able to get out of there. So he was able to send back a message to his family. To his family. Letting them know where he was and he was a slave against his will. That's right. And where he was. And a man in New York came down here. And one was a lawyer. He worked that thing out, got Solomon out. See, I, 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 I come from a lineage similar to that with the Prince of Slaves, amongst, the Prince Among Slaves. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that, out of Natchez, Mississippi. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, My family's believed to be connected with, to that, with, family. with that family. Oh, yeah, I went to Natchez. They had a big thing up there about that. Must have been, what's the name? Uh, Boxley. Boxing was a part of it. Yeah, yeah. Were you there? Yes, I've always supported Brother Boxing. And the guy who wrote the book, uh, Terry, came from Terry's last name. So we all okay. knew each other. All right. Well, Bluebonnet had gotten a new book on St. Mary Parish, Slaves into St. Mary Parish. And most of them wanted only young males. Slaves, and, and, and I want you to share that because most people don't realize that the age that they brought the people into this country was young, mm-hmm. teen, teenagers, mm-hmm. 10, 11, 12, 13 yeah, years of so age. So they could have years of work with, over the and, and easy to discipline them because they don't mm-hmm. have what they just And then bring them in an area they'd never been. been. Mm-hmm. They didn't. So most people think he was grown men and women they was bringing it. He was children. They, they oh, was most of the I, I, I have a book at home. With the cover of it is nothing but children, nothing but a little black boys, just a whole cover. So now you see that in the prisons now. There you go. So the same system, just re- redirected or what you call it? Yeah. So that night, I had all those people at Lawyer. So you invited the, the family of the guy who wrote, who was carrying the mail. Yeah. They helped to get him, helped to free him. Yeah. We had them at the event too. Oh, At yeah. your event. Yeah. But the girl Sue was deceased at the time. Yes. And I had a, a big... She was, a, she was of European descent too? Uh, Sue Eakin? Yes. Yes. Okay. She was born and raised in, in Moxville, yeah. Sue Eakin. And uh, she was a Sue Lyon. Sue... Lions. I, I have all that at the house. Sue really helped me. She gave me a beautiful picture of this black woman with her hair and all picking it. But the black woman was reading a book, reading a newspaper. <laughs> but she was reading about a, a child was born. But the way he put it, the child was black, but the daddy was white. And it's she had it in a beautiful frame, and I have that. Sue Eakin. That's what I'm telling you. You can't get into my house. Yes, yeah, so you, you, you preserve history. That's what you do. <laughs> but Sue Eakin, I mean, Solomon Northup, these are his great-great-grandchildren. I should have brought that. When they came to me. So Solomon Northup and great-great-grandchildren are still living in... They live, this one lives in uh, California. She and her sister came. And when I did that, and when I got the marker put up, they came for that. And the marker's put up where? On Esplanade Avenue. Where? 
in New Orleans. Okay. Because it's on the same line where the plant where the slave pit was located. You don't see nothing but the two-story houses sitting on that spot. But that was that man's slave pen. Slave pen, not no slave houses. No, slave pen, because he had other slaves that he was selling out of there. They and that's it. where they bought. So it's like it's like saying a pig pen, but you say they call it a slave pen. Slave pen. Well, it was because it was a filthy place and had slaves up in there. Enslaved people. That they yes. It, it, in there, that he had, they had come in from Virginia, and where, because in D.C. where they really tied him up, they had to walk him all the way across there to Norfolk, Virginia, because that's where the biggest slave exit is in Norfolk. And when they walked him all the way out of D.C. to Norfolk, Virginia, and that's where they had these ships. I mean, what, what, what body of water is that? Well, it gets into the Atlantic when you're going through. It's going to come on through uh, places like, I'll tell you where it is. You're probably familiar with about once a year, Norfolk, Virginia. Once, have you ever been to Norfolk? Mm hmm. All those boats and water and all. They send boats from Norfolk to come and they know how to get in there to dread the Mississippi. They come once a year or two or three years, you're going to see those ships coming out of Norfolk, Virginia, and they have men on there that keep that water flowing in the Mississippi River with those boats that come through. <laughs> I can't help but smile. Um, these big boats, I have never... Now, my sister, who's seven years old now, that was her time. She and her, yeah, that was after she and her husband divorced. Yeah, they had divorced. Oh, she and some of her friends. Across that river, around Port Allen and all coming along the Mississippi River, got those boats that come in, these men on that. Baby, in that area, West, Port Allen, Poinkapi, all along that, that's a good time for single black women. They be waiting for those boats out of Norfolk. <laughs> but, but, but that's where all the men was come through? Oh, yeah. See, because they would be dredging. Oh, so, so we did all the work then. Yeah, okay. yeah, they had little men on that, and I never did go. Oh, you, you missed out. Oh, yeah, I guess I missed out. <laughs> Because my sister was telling me, you're talking about food. You've never seen steaks and all that kind of stuff. Those men on that, those boats out of Norfolk that come to dread the Mississippi River, they eat well. But when they get along in Louisiana, coming along there, they pull that boat over. Women, they play music. It's just a good time. For the fellas out of Norfolk, when they get along, and, and, and I'm laughing because I'm going to tell you something to make you laugh. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy, you can get on there and eat what you want. This guy, and I did see him. I, I met him. He had met my sister. He <laughs> said, when that boat be going back to Norfolk, <laughs> some of the guys... They say they didn't have all the fellas that they brought in. They, <laughs> some of them stayed. They, they had, the Louisiana women. <laughs> <laughs> Captured them, huh? Yeah. <laughs> they was, they, they the, enslaved them, huh? <laughs> they, they, the Louisiana women, they couldn't get back to Norfolk. And one man said, it just blew his mind when that boat was, ship was going back up and these people were cutting cane out there. He said, sure, okay. Some of the men who was on that boat should have been on that boat there out there with the women. <laughs> Cut cane. Cut cane. where did the boat come to in Louisiana? Well, it, was, it, it stays on the Mississippi. But what, what part? What part well, was I'm it? just going to tell you, I told you, West Baton Rouge. West Baton Rouge, okay. It was one of those areas, 
in uh, Point Capi, any area. So, so your sister and her friend, they, they knew that boat was coming. Oh, yeah. These, these women along there, they knew all along. They knew the boat was coming, so they'd be ready. They'd be ready, baby. <laughs> oh, they had the music. So I know you got your daughter here, but you got to tell me the truth. Did you ever go? I never was able to go to nothing I know like you, that. You ain't gonna never admit it, so you ain't gonna admit it. She's gonna take a temporary. Wait a minute, I had five children. Where in the hell was I going? <laughs> you at least wanted to go see what was going no, on. No, I never did. But boy. They had a good time. They right? had a good time. And But particularly, so several of those men never did get back to Norfolk. It wound up marrying Louisiana women and having children. Stay here. <laughs> and the man who's on the boat say he saw some of them out there cutting cane and waving to them when the boat was <laughs> going back through. And I always remember this here. Man can shocker the hand. Man can shocker the feet. But only you can shocker the mind. The mind is always free to travel wherever you dare to take it. And I'd like to thank you for tuning in once again to Count Time Podcast. I'm Brother L.D. Zobra. Thank you once again. Remember, it's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. Time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted.